and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back to review game week 11. Obviously, this is going to be a bit of a bit of a weird one because we didn't quite get our game week 11 preview up, but uh, there's still plenty to talk about. My name is Chris Hopkins, and I'm joined by the Boreham Wood to my board draw. It's Andy Case. Andy, we did experience together the magic of the FA Cup. Didn't well, not quite magic, I don't think, uh, in a, a national league uh, matchup. But yeah, it was nice to go see some uh, see some see some FA Cup football this weekend. And obviously, the company was like, well, uh, you know, the company was fifty percent delightful. Uh, 50% not so, and I'll leave it to your imagination as to where, where the split might be, but I think you can probably guess. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was it was all right. I mean, I like getting out to a game. I have to say, you know, no, you know, no offence to the uh, listeners from Boreham Wood here, but I've I've been to, like, more interesting grounds, let's say. Uh, uh, I, it's not one I'll be rushing to go back to, I don't think, but still, nonetheless, it was it was... It was good to to yeah to see some FA Cup football. So that that was that was what I wanted to, what we wanted to do. I mean maybe 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 my my mood was just soured from how the day began for us. Um, so maybe 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 I, that's a bit harsh, and I'm just I'm just being too pessimistic. But yeah, yeah. I mean obviously like the the quality on display in the in the game that we watched on television that also finished two 0 uh, was you know perhaps a little bit better uh you know i guess man city man united probably pr- providing something a little bit different to boron wood and eastleigh but yeah always nice to, to, to get out and, and see some see some live football and definitely another ground ticked off the list but obviously if, if they keep going as well as they are in the national league then it might be an away game for colchester next year so uh, yeah I, maybe i will be returning sooner than you uh but talking of returning obviously we didn't get that preview out last week uh, so many technical issues uh, both internet and trying to you know, actually, actually edit and, and and do the podcast, but we did do a Twitter thread, so do let us know how how that went for you. Hopefully, we we, you know, we might be able to continue with you know tweeting a little bit more, uh, but we still definitely want to be getting the podcast out. But obviously, this is the review, so it feels a little bit strange, Andy. I guess reviewing something that most of our listeners have not heard, but in mind, let's uh, let's crack on. As always, uh, when on it during our review shows, we'll start by reviewing players on the radar and we'll have a look at a top differential a low owned player that ended up doing really well in game week 11 and also blankly blank high owned player uh, that, did, that, uh, that didn't have such a great game week we will be reviewing our swimming against the tide and our captaincy selections before having a look ahead to the next game week so Andy, let's start with those players on the radar i think i was pretty bullish uh, in the conversation as i said that only you and i got had the privilege of hearing uh, about Tottenham, about Tottenham under Conte. Um, obviously, things were pretty stale uh, under Nuno. Conte's always generally started pretty well uh, at, at new clubs. And obviously, um, the, the the Europa Conference League performance, albeit against you know, a worse side than Everton, um, you know, gave us some indication that Tottenham might be a little bit more open, a little bit more attacking. And also, with a good run of fixtures coming up, maybe that would allow... Son and Kane, you know, plenty more freedom to actually start, you know, returning uh, significantly more in FPL than they have done so far this season. Uh, but that is not really how this game week played out uh, against Everton, is it? No, no, not at all. I mean, there was some encouragement when we saw the eleven because it was a, it was the same eleven. We thought maybe, you know, it's still early days, but Conte is obviously trying to. He's kind of picked out, I guess, his preferred players maybe at least to this point anyway. So, uh, yeah. You thought maybe maybe they'll continue in that more attacking vein, but but absolutely not. The, the Spurs shape in this game, they were very very defensive. They created nothing barely. You know they barely had any decent chances. The xG was it was very low um, for the game. So yeah, really quite disappointing. I mean more so what we'd come to expect from Conte teams, I suppose, uh, in in the past. And disappointing when Everton have conceded so many chances and goals recently. You thought Tottenham could really kind of you know, have a have a go there at, at Everton, a bit of a low on confidence, particularly at the back, but they absolutely didn't do that. So no, this disappointing for Spurs generally, I suppose a plus point that they got a clean sheet. So that's like maybe a positive for like Spurs defenders uh, going forward. But but in terms of, of Son and Kane, who are, who are on the radar here, I mean, no, not not very positive at all. Yeah, I think, you know, we were looking to potentially take advantage of, you know, this matchup, really. You know, I don't think we were um, necessarily as bullish maybe on, on Tottenham defenders this side of the international break, but definitely potentially 
for Son and Kane, uh, maybe taking advantage of, of a fixture, as you say, Andy, you know, Everton have been conceding plenty of chances and plenty of goals recently. So, so yeah, this does feel a bit like a, a bit of a missed opportunity for Tottenham, um, but equally, you know, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, take the L on the radar a little bit, but yeah, definitely, you know, this game definitely did not play out um, in, in, in the way that I, at least I thought it would. Um, on the flip side, we did mention Tottenham defenders, and I think you know it's kind of interesting when a new manager comes in. Spurs do have you know, a, you know, a fairly high number of you know, of uh, defenders um, you know on the books, and obviously you know with Conte pretending to play with a sort of three at the back with wing backs, that does give potential opportunity for you know possibly um, a cheaper defender to be getting regular starts, but equally maybe also for uh, Spurs fullbacks or wing backs to have greater attacking potential. Going forward, I think, as I say, we were less bullish on them for this game. We can maybe a bit more of a, well, let's see what what the team selection is. Um, let's see, you know, what actually ends up happening. Um, but there are maybe some some kind of you know indications that possibly, possibly Spurs defenders might be a, a play after the international break. Well, yeah, I think certainly with the fixture run they've got coming up, I mean, everyone's been highlighting sort of Son and Kane as have we, you know, um, for that for that fixture run. Uh, with there being an international break this this week, usually a good opportunity for people to try and make changes to their team, be that a wild card or some kind of like you know double transfer that they've that they've rolled over. So it's yeah, Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, the four next games for for Tottenham, but but less so um, because of Spurs' defensive record this season. The defenders are now, as you say, with Conte and them being a bit more defensive, getting a clean sheet in this game week. Yeah, may, maybe it's something we can <clears throat> we, we can have a look at definitely on 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 the preview of 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 next game week and and there were some some promising signs i guess early on here in that firstly it was the same back five that started both games so at least at the moment they're um they seem to be you know um conte's first choice and uh ben davies who who hadn't really played under nuno i mean i think injury played a little bit of a part in that but still um not certainly not completely he'd only had 30 minutes um uh prior to the 3-0 defeat which which got Nuno sacked um he he did play the full 90 in 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 that one for 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 Spurs so yeah back to back starts for for well back to back to back starts if you include the Nuno game as well the fight the final Nuno game but yeah three three starts in a row two, two in the league for for Ben Davies and he's only 4.4 million so um that that's potentially looking like your best kind of cheap shout at the moment and then on a kind of other end of the scale you've got Reggion who's 5 million so n- not cheap but compared to a lot of teams at the moment that have like a James and a Chilwell or a Cancelo and a Trent there's a lot of money in defense you know he at five million he certainly offers a, a cheaper uh option to 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 some of those other premium defenders at the moment and he was Spurs's actually most advanced player in this game against Tottenham he had two shots in the box including one in the six yard box actually which was a, 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 a I haven't obviously we 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 can't get those non tv games in in the UK and we you know Chris and I recording this on Sunday evening so we've not had a chance to even see the highlights yet but according to the stats at least was a 0.33 xg opportunity for Reggion so so that looks fairly promising as as well he's looking pretty pretty attacking down that left hand side so um yeah certainly a, a few options we, we you know we've with Leeds Burnley Brentford Norwich like we say teams that, that aren't necessarily the most creative of, of all of them perhaps Brentford aside um yeah some 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 clean sheet opportunity as well as maybe attacking returns for Reggion absolutely yeah I think I think definitely want to want to keep a bit of an eye on Going forward, and yeah, I think uh, you know we're or, or Son and Kane still feel, you know, still feel like they're going to be on the radar. But I think we with a bit of a better idea about Spurs defenders. I can see them possibly remaining on going into game week 12 too. Um, and you just mentioned in that discussion about about Reggion that you know, people are putting a lot of money into their defence uh, at the moment, and definitely you know this season in general. Um, I feel like most managers in, in FPL are going to own a Chelsea defender, maybe two. Uh, but you know, the fullbacks for us, are, or the, I guess the wingbacks, are those that are, that are still remaining on our radar, both Chilwell and James. Um, and I guess, you know, Chilwell with no returns this week, James obviously did, did get an assist, uh, but not, no clean sheet for Chelsea. And I think, you know, on, on in the preview, we were kind of basically banking, I guess, on the clean sheet. We felt it was probably one of the more likely clean sheets in the Premier League this week. But obviously things didn't quite transpire that way either. 
yeah it, it is and it's it's, it's frustrating really because you 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 have these players the the Chilwells and James of the world in the reason you kind of pay that premium for these type of defenders is because you're hoping that the minimum they're starting from is a good chance of a clean sheet and then if they get some attacking returns on top of that then then great but here you know Chelsea playing Burnley at home is one of the sort of key fixtures probably on the fixture list where you'd be hoping for a, a clean sheet there for Chelsea defenders and yeah, although I mean Burnley didn't really create much, so in, in on the you know in one sense you could think that Chelsea were unlucky not to keep a clean sheet. On the other hand, the goal they did concede was was quite sloppy and very sort of unChelsea like actually. Uh, they, they they sort of switch off for a minute um, at, at the back there. So yeah, but but neither neither of them necessarily sort of Chilwell or James's fault uh, the, the the goal. So um, yeah. Perhaps you can feel aggrieved slightly if you not to get that clean sheet, but then obviously, yeah, I guess particularly if you own Chilwell because you haven't got the attacking return. But but for Reese James, uh, I mean, well, actually for either of them, ultimately you can only make. Yeah, when we're analysing these decisions, we, we we often like to say you've got a uh, the outcome doesn't necessarily determine whether you've made a good or bad choice. And and ultimately they both got forward a lot. They both had lots of touches in the final third. Um, you know, Chilwell a few more touches than James, but James creating a few more chances than Chilwell. So and and, and that leading to a, a great cross um for 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 the the Habits goal. So a nice assist from James. And yeah, you're 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 probably relatively happy even though despite not getting a clean sheet if you if you are a James owner. So yeah, the the stats look good. Chelsea dominated Burnley you kind of got what you what you expected out of out of Chilwell and James really and and um the the only thought i suppose in terms of them being on the radar going forward is uh you know are we are we concerned about starts still and or you know ultimately we're cheating i suppose a little bit by having them both on there and which one you know which one do you go for ultimately we're probably not having them both on there because we're saying pick them both but so people, that means people are going to have to probably choose one or over the other at some point, as you and I both had to this this game week. So I guess maybe there's more for us to look into there in terms of, yeah, maybe we need to nail our cards to the mask more with one over the other. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe yeah, let's uh, let's see if they come back, I guess, from the international break uh, unscathed. And, and yeah, I guess assessing their continual, continued chances of starting is obviously going to be going to be key, especially uh, as as we say, if you are investing uh, quite heavily uh, in in your defence this season. As I guess talking about coming through unscathed, Andy uh, Diego Jota returned back on our radar, and I think you know if we were to do a word cloud of players that we mentioned the most on FPL uh, on the FPL lounge, then Diego Jota is definitely going to be up there. Um, but he is likely, we think, to benefit from Roberto Firmino's injury. Obviously, we put him on the radar, knowing that Firmino. Uh, got injured in Liverpool's Champions League game. Then Jurgen Klopp uh, mentioned uh, in his press conference that it seems like he's going to be out beyond the international break. Um, so that feels like Diego Jota is going to be a nailed-on starter for Liverpool. It's always going to be his starts that's concerned. And considering how sort of how uh, how much cheaper he is than both Salah and Mane, playing through the middle for a team in theory as good as Liverpool uh, should make him a you know a really really good FPL option. But ultimately. Liverpool weren't at their best uh, against West Ham uh, in this game week, and, and and Jota really didn't do didn't didn't do a great deal uh, given his given his chance. No, he he didn't really, which is which is disappointing, and and does make you kind of second guess yourself maybe when it comes to owning him. But but we we felt yeah we I think we felt like we were cheating a little bit by having him on the radar, as you say, because we've mentioned him so many times. But it's someone we haven't spoken about as much in recent weeks, and given. Um, that fact that it seemed much more likely he was going to play with 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 Firmino being out, um, he he you know he seems ultimately anyone who's 7.5 million and potentially playing through the middle for Liverpool that you know seems seems like a good option. But it, like you say, it didn't really work out. He didn't really have many chances. Uh, you know, barely like I say, barely any shots, let alone like good good chances. And and also potentially worryingly, although I don't know how much to read into this, is that Origi came on for him after 75 minutes and and scored off the bench and kind of had another chance as well and just looked to have a little bit more of an impact on the game. So you do wonder, is that going to play into Klopp's thinking at all? Is you know he does like to kind of rotate a little bit and make sure his players don't get too tired so if Firmino isn't available does that mean some some minutes for Origi at the expense of perhaps 
Jota um, after, after that international break. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure if Origi still gets in Belgium squads or not, but certainly we know Jota's going to be going away with Portugal. And if he plays a couple of games there, who knows if, if Origi's fresh and fit and ready to go. Um, yeah, maybe that that'll that'll be a, a bit more of a question mark. It'd be interesting when it comes to our game week twelve preview whether we still decide to keep Jota there or not. I'd imagine if there's if there's other options, we we may be a bit less inclined. Yeah, I think it was just worth highlighting. Um, yeah, his his increased potential for starts or at least lack of lack of a, a rotation issue um, due to Firmino's injury. And yeah, you know, I wonder if Jota might end up returning on our radar later in the season when. Uh, Salah and Mane go off to the, to the African Cup of Nations, but even then, you know, Liverpool's front three is going to be sort of very different, and you can see Jota being pushed out wide there. If Firmino, if Firmino is around, obviously Origi is another option too, who is less likely to be out wide. So yeah, I think uh, one to one to possibly keep an eye on come uh, come the new year. A guy who obviously did perform pretty well in this uh, in this Liverpool West Ham game uh, was Jared Bowen, and we highlighted him for, for having really good underlying numbers uh, going into this game week. But West, you know, three of West Ham's Next five were Liverpool in this game week and then Man City and Chelsea also uh, coming up. Um, but their performance in this game and obviously you know their performances this season and where they lie in the Premier League table at this stage of the season makes you wonder, you know, are West Ham and their assets almost fixture-proof? It does It does seem like that a, a little bit. It's, it's strange because, you, you know, West, there's, a, there's almost like an instinct inside me to not trust West Ham. They haven't been very trustworthy. They've been very sort of volatile uh, in terms of their performances um, over the last, like, arguably 20 plus years. But um, at the moment, the, that setup that they have, the 4-2-3-1, it's a very moist sort of team and structure. And they, they do seem a lot like those Everton teams that he had that always were in and around the top four. Everyone knows their jobs. It gets the best out of their best players. Um, it's like square pegs in square holes sort of thing going on. Um, the fact that they can counter-attack means they can do well against the better teams as they have done against Liverpool today and that they're good at set pieces. Two of their goals today came from came from set pieces. Those those assets are also helpful for breaking down the, um, the, the teams that sit back against them as well. So if they're playing like a Burnley or whoever else and they're sitting back a bit, they get width from their full-backs. They have three creative... Um, attacking midfielders who can switch positions and 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 drag players around a bit, def- defensive players around. So it they they do seem to have like assets and uh, the ability to create. That they've been for 18 months almost now consistently creative. You know it's rare that they have like a low xG total. Whoever whoever they're playing. So um, it's 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 a really good question. And I think almost every, all that evidence that we're gathering is is actually maybe pointing towards them them being fixture proof. Yeah. It's a little bit of, of a difficult one, I think. I guess we'll come on to this uh, possibly a little bit later in the pod as well. But obviously, it's picking that West Ham asset uh, that, you know, that is the most reliable option. And even though, you know, as a team, they're pretty good, I think it's it's hard to kind of nail down exactly which one um, is going to be you know, is going to be the best option going forward. Obviously, you know, it was side Ben Rama a little bit earlier, earlier in the season. Jared Bowen, uh, his underlying numbers have been really good, and obviously two returns in this game, but also the similar. Similar for four nows, and and yet it can be you know either one of those three, and at the same time you can't rule out Mikel Antonio either, or perhaps you can because you know again you're highlighting our our keep or sell Antonio conversation from several game weeks ago. But yeah, uh, as a team, you know they they, they certainly do look fixture proof. You're just kind of wishing for one of their attacking midfielders to really come to the fore and be the standout option, and that hasn't really happened, I don't think, so far this season and then finally rounding off with another team in Clarence Blue uh, Ollie Watkins sort of crept onto our radar snuck on at the last minute again partly down really just uh, just having decent underlying numbers although you know, uh, you know not amazing um, you know decent XGI in the last four and fairly high among forwards particularly uh, you know he was he was below some forwards like Josh King who obviously had one outstanding game but perhaps three kind of Duds, whereas Ollie Watkins had kind of just gone on under the radar, I think a little bit, um, and didn't have too bad fixtures coming up either. Danny Ings injured, so Watkins almost guaranteed a, a central start, but and also just playing into his favour that there aren't that many forwards really impressing FPL managers uh, and, and sort of nailing nailing themselves into teams so far this year. But West Ham with an oh, sorry Aston Villa with another underwhelming performance, and obviously that's ended up costing. 
Dean Smith, his job, who's been relieved of his duties at Aston Villa over the weekend. I think for now, Andy, we won't be talking about Ollie Watkins much anymore until we see who the new appointment is and if um, if Aston Villa can kind of turn it around. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think we did sort of caveat it with the fact, you know, as people will be able to hear, hopefully, eventually, if if we do, if we do, uh, what what's the right phrase? Like, uh, I, I want to say posthumously, but that's that's totally the wrong way of describing it. But you know, after the fact, basically, put up the the game week eleven preview, uh, you know, just for prosperity, just so people can can hear it at some point. Get up, but, um, get up, and in, in, into the archives, into the FBL lounge archives. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they will hopefully hear that we, we were kind of saying it was a bit of a speculative one, him, him going on the radar there. It was, it was just because he had some all right, like numbers, like you say, um, and that there aren't many sort of forward options, but, but certainly what happened this game week with not many chances for Villa, them losing again, uh, and now them sacking their manager. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it's definitely not ideal for, for, you know, taking quite a gamble on 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 any given player. So we'll we'll certainly be seeing what's happened. I mean, you've got to think uh, it's not a sudden thing from from Villa. You just you just feel like they must have like some something lined up. There's a lot of chat around Gerard Lampard and Terry seem to be at the the head of the the betting at the moment. All three of them, um, and obviously Terry had had worked under 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 Dean Smith and will know a lot, a lot of the players and, and the setup. So. Yeah, you you wouldn't be surprised if there might well be a new manager in place by the time um, you know the comeback from the international break. But but certainly we, we'd we, we'd want to see it and know what that that manager's sort of style might be. And 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 yeah, you like I say, you're not gonna you're pro- you're probably not gonna take a gamble on Ollie Watkins, even though it seemed like quite a bit of a gamble before this game week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, yeah the the the. The managerial change at Villa obviously obviously makes things uh, a little bit more a little bit more difficult to to look into Aston Villa's future. So yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see on that one. But I think even even you know things have got to change quite significantly. I think or or, or maybe they're just continuing to lack strikers in FPL that are, that are worth worth investing in for for Ollie Watkins to really um, you know, be be on the radar or us to be thinking about him. Uh, you know, with any great kind of confidence. Uh, let's leave it there, Andy. And then when we return, we will be going through our blankety blank and our top differential. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back, Len. So, blankety blank, a high-owned player that ended up blanking this week. Um, it would be so easy for us, Andy, to have picked Mikel Antonio yet again, but I think we we need to give we need to give the lad the week off. Uh, so we've gone for another forwards, and then again, this carries on with this theme that, that there aren't that many forwards that you can trust in FPL this season. Uh, so we're going to give it to Jamie Vardy, not the sort of party that I think he'd want to be invited to. Yeah, not not really. I mean. He did manage to get himself two points, two whole points, rather than just the one this week, as he has in, in each of the previous two game weeks. So, well done, Jamie, there. You didn't get yourself booked or whatever. So, you know, I suppose you've got to have, you know, small mercies and all that. But but no, he's 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 certainly ended up getting this. Probably both of you and I are heavily influenced by the fact he's in our teams and it's frustrated us. But um, he's 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 still 30% owned and he has been higher than that over the last couple of game weeks but it's gone down because people have been selling him um because I guess because he's not returning and although there are higher owned blankers than him this and in other game weeks just the consistent lack of returns is 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 kind of you know the final nail in the coffin we mentioned it last week that he was kind of lucky to be getting by with with Antonio having such high ownership um and I think there's there's an argument that actually Antonio is even more deserving of it potentially this week because of the fact that despite it was Liverpool um, you know his his team have scored seven goals we said last week that Antonio got it because his team had scored four goals and he hadn't been involved well they scored another three and he's had no goal or, or assist from return from that so maybe Antonio is the lucky one to be kind of getting away uh, getting away with it here but look I think ultimately uh, Vardy can't, can't couldn't have too many complaints given given the, the, the severe lack of returns. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think again, you know, the, of, of of the three that I guess we could have mentioned, Antonio, Ronaldo, Ben Rama, obviously two of them playing Liverpool, albeit at home, and obviously Ronaldo playing Man City. I think it's more understandable that those possibly didn't return. Uh, and yeah, obviously you know, with, the, with the benefit of hindsight, yeah, maybe less. Um, yeah, like I, I guess you know, when when you know West Ham scored three, I think you know you will be disappointed that Antonio or, or Ben Rama weren't really involved in that. But but yeah, Jamie Vardy against Leeds, I think that, that you know, it was a fixture that uh, that you know, the Leicester would have hoped to create more in, and I think Vardy would have, you know, would hope to, to to get rid of his dry spell. And I think you know when we were you know getting quite keen on Vardy a few game weeks ago, he was I think he was the top scorer in the Premier League, and he was definitely one of the top scorers. In the game, and and ever since then he, he's you know, barely returned. So so yeah, I think it's uh, I mean maybe it's another chat for another day. But but yeah, as Vardy owners, I think we're maybe considering moving on from him in general. Uh, let's move on to top differential, Andy. And again, it wasn't as as high a scoring scoring game week as we've had previously. But uh, having already discussed Jared Bowen on the radar, our top differential this week is Pablo Fornals, twelve points, a goal and an assist, along with two bonus for just his 1.9% of owners. And I guess this is, um, I mean, this is interesting because, you know, I, I, I don't know, Andy, and maybe maybe you can frantically look this up while I while I set it up. But my guess is that Fornals, Bowen and Ben Rama have very, very similar um, uh, owners, uh, very, very similar points returns over the course of the whole season. Um, but Ben Rama's ownership is still 30 plus percent. And I think Fornells and, uh, and Bowens is still around kind of the two percent mark, um, which you know I understand why Ben Rama's ownership went you know went crazy at the start of the season, and I understand why many more managers maybe had him at the start of the season, especially over Bowen because Bowen was slightly slightly more expensive. Um, but realistically, it and we've said it so many times I think on the pod when talking about West Ham, this trifecta of attacking midfielders can. Um, you know, any one of them can get a double-digit haul in any given game week. Therefore, it's really hard to know which one to go for, and that makes Ben Rama's really inflated ownership seem all the more surprising. And and the fact that Fornells and Bowens isn't at like seven or eight percent also a bit more surprising, I think. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, actually, they are very, very similar. I don't know whether you uh, were saying that because you because you knew how similar they were, but if not, it was it was a good kind of guess from you because yes, they are very similar. Ben Rama is actually leading the three at the moment on 57 points but that that's almost entirely down to his great sort of start to the season and actually as we've been saying for weeks really even early in that early part of the season frankly we were saying it that their underlying numbers are very similar in fact actually Ben Ramos is the worst of the three but they're, but they're relatively similar and as we've seen now over a longer sample size that's playing out in the in the points returns as well uh, in that Bowen so Ben Rama has 57 points Bowen has 55 and Fornells has 51 so yeah really not much in it what whatsoever um and the but but the ownerships as as you pointed out Bowen and Fornells both under two percent but but Ben Rama over 30 still so uh yeah in, interesting I mean obviously we had Bar- Bowen on on the radar for his uh underlying numbers kind of recently having been quite a bit higher than the others two other two um over the last few game weeks um but 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 and to be fair, Bowen obviously did get a couple of assists, but but it, for four nails with with the goal gets him those extra points, and that's why he's appearing sort of slightly slightly higher than his t- than his teammates this week, and it is it is the top differential. But I think f- fully deserving of it, and um, it still doesn't make it any easier. I think that knowing that fact that you know we could quite easily have Bowen or four nails in our team over loads of other people who've got Ben Rama, and it might be a bit of a differential. It doesn't really make it any easier for me, at least in my head, kind of going forward. Like I still wouldn't know which one to plump for. I mean, uh, I didn't, I didn't see West Ham in midweek, but I'm, I, you know, I got a text off you saying about a fantastic goal that Ben Rama scored in in the Europa League. So, you know, arguably he's he's you know had a bit of form recently as well, albeit just not in the Premier League. So, uh, yeah, it's still it's still. Just imagine if 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 what if one of you know that's 150 points there. If one of them was say on 80 or 90, and the other 60 points were split out between the other two, it'd be making our life much much easier at this point, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's obviously what what contributed to Ben Rama's high ownership at the start of the season because it did seem that he was the guy. But I think there was always a suspicion, even going back to our um our FPL Lounge long weekend kind of season previews that the three of them share the points around and 
a fast start by one of them doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to end up holding. And I think that has, you know, we are, you know, almost what a quarter of the way through the season, and and yeah, that's that's that seems to have played out really so far. Uh, there are a few more, Andy, I guess that we could have mentioned, but as I say, not the highest scoring game week. So several uh, several on on ten points: Harvey Barnes, Isaac Hayden. Rico Henry and uh, and Leandro Trossard. Any of those that possibly could be going on the radar in the future? I mean, there's one that's an absolute definite no-no because I don't think Isaac Hayden has ever scored a goal in his life, really. At least I've definitely never heard of it. Um, but it was a game that, w- that we were watching uh, live on telly and was celebrated uh, celebrated quite uh, quite quite keenly, I guess, by uh, by by the by the third amigo uh, on on our FA Cup day out. Um, but Trossard was a guy that we maybe thought about putting on the radar at the start, going into game week 11. I mean, ultimately, Brighton didn't really look that creative against Newcastle and Trossard's return you know, was all, all from a penalty, um, you know, which he obviously duly dispatched. But but yeah, not really enough, I don't think, for us to be thinking about him long term. And then I feel like the other three can be pretty easily dismissed as well. I mean, I think they possibly can. Um, Trossard, Trossard playing through the middle over more pie intrigues me, if that's a long-term thing or not, because generally Trossard has had a few returns uh, in, in FPL over, over the, the seasons when he's been playing, although his appearances have been a bit kind of hit and miss. And actually, I'd, I'd like to have a bit of a deeper look into his returns versus underlying numbers, because I feel like he's kind of better against his, you know, returns per minutes and per chances and things than someone like a more pie. So... If Trossard is going to nail down that number nine position, uh, like you say, albeit in this game, it was it was kind of only really because of a penalty and Brighton were disappointing. You know, you'd expect them to create more against a pretty lousy Newcastle side. So I guess that's that's the potential downside. But assuming Brighton aren't going to be that bad at creating chances in every given game week, then maybe I'd be intrigued to 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 kind of. Yeah, give him a bit more of a chance to take a bit of a look there. I guess what's difficult is that he's not actually classified as a forward on the game. And there's a lot of midfield spots that people are vying for uh, in that kind of mid-price midfielder range. So I guess he's got a lot of competition. If he was a forward, classified as a forward in the game, I think it could be a little bit more interesting around the sort of six, six and a half million mark. There could be, um, and, and you know, if those underlying numbers did show that he was, you know, re- returning a bit closer to his kind of expected numbers, then then maybe there'd be more kind of clamour for him. So I guess I've gone round in a big circle there where I, where I thought maybe him, but actually now I've talked myself out of it. However, you know that there is one guy on that list who's very much in the stable, and that is uh, Harvey Barnes. So if with him getting back in Leicester's team, it was interesting the fact that they went, they've played a lot of different formations under Rodgers so far this season it was back to a more sort of 4-3-3 that we're a bit more used to uh, with uh, with what I can only assume was Tielemans playing in the more advanced position position because they had Sumare and someone else who was I can't remember but another defensive midfielder that started for Leicester basically in this in this game so that was interesting but anyway the point is that it, they're playing with two out and out more sort of wider wing winger type players in Lookman and Barnes um supporting Vardy now it's, it looks like from the underlying numbers at least that that didn't necessarily lead to a great deal of creativity for for Leicester generally so I'm not sure obviously like I mentioned before we don't have the opportunity to kind of watch those games in in, in the UK until they come on match of the day which which they haven't yet uh, given when we're recording so so maybe we need to see that with, with our own eyes but it, it, certainly from the numbers it didn't seem like it meant for a very creative Leicester team um, so Maybe that would be the drawback there, but if Barnes is gonna is gonna nail down a starting position as he had done before his injury, kind of like earlier this season and, and last season, then he'd certainly he's always someone I've kind of generally got my eye on. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I think um, yeah, I know that you know Harvey Barnes is very much in your in your stable of boys, but but yeah, I think uh, we're definitely gonna need to see a lot more from him before uh, before he ends up sort of more permanently on the radar. I think, but yeah, encouraging signs I guess that he's back back from injury. Um, let's let's review Andy our swimming against the tide. Now this was a bit of a bit of a weird one. I don't think we felt massively strongly about anything, um, anything you know in terms of transfers in or out this week. But we did find it quite quite confusing. I think that at the time of recording, obviously the podcast that never quite made it to air, that Mason Mount was the third most sold. Now he did have a flag, but it was only an illness from which Thomas Tuchel had been relatively coy and obviously he missed uh he Mason Mount did miss Chelsea's Champions League game against Malmo 
Um, now, after the recording, uh, Tuchel kind of declared Mount fit for this game week, and his flag was removed. So then it seems it seemed as though that you know we we were almost sitting pretty a little bit. But then Mason Mount did still end up on the bench, um, and did come on for 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 quite annoying. Uh, cameo appearance giving giving one point I mean for me this still feels like um, you know, not that we always have to say whether we think that our, our, our selections are kind of like won or lost but I still feel like selling an asset like Mason Mount for even a one week injury was possibly a bit of an overreaction but at the same time his flag was almost justified in the end and therefore I can see why people maybe did want to get rid so it's a Bit of a bit of a weird one, and I might have to. I think we might have to put this one down as a bit of a bit of a nil-nil draw. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I still think we it was it we were right to swim against that tide of selling him. Frankly, just stick him on your bench for a week, and um, I mean, obviously, if you've started him and uh, he's come on for a point, then yeah, you're going to be annoyed. Particularly as it was a five-minute appearance as well, so it's not even like a, he's been given the last twenty minutes against a, a worn-down team to maybe try and make something happen. Um, it, it, it was just, yeah, a very frustrating. Almost, you don't, it must have just been like a, a last roll of the dice from Tuchel type thing when they were when they were still at one-one. Um, but I think ultimately, he if when you knew he was he was sort of fit, what why it you know before the game starts, you're thinking, well, he's if he plays, he's gonna be playing against Burnley, so so great. Like, yeah, I think I think you you can't. You, you know, had 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 it had Chelsea been three 0 up, he probably just wouldn't have come on, and so then you wouldn't have got that annoying one one point. Whereas had he started, you'd be saying, well, you've got a starting player playing for a really good team against Burnley. So you know, I, I just can't see there's there's no. Obviously, if you did sell him, you've probably benefited from it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that ultimately, only because of circumstance, not not because of that flag, really. And 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 yeah. yeah. So it just, it, I think, uh, for those for those reasons, it may, it makes me think we were right to swim against swim against that tide. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you've convinced me that we were, after all, right all along. Uh, let's uh, let's finish with Captain Andy, and I guess um, you know the conversation that I feel we're going to have every week. Maybe we should just pre-record this and just insert it into every podcast going forward. Will be how great a captaincy option salary is and also how safe a captaincy option salary is because everyone's going to stick the armband on him. He has unprecedented ownership uh, and obviously because of you know, because of the fact that he's returned in every game week this year, bar one, uh, he's going to continue to be an excellent captaincy choice. Obviously, Liverpool weren't quite at the races uh, in the same way that they often are against West Ham this week. Another, obviously, you know, a lot of our captaincy selections this week as well were we're playing away from home, which is something that we've mentioned before as being you know, slightly tempers, I think, some some FPL asset upside. Um, but a return for Salah for doing, ultimately, you know, the, the assist was almost laughable that he frankly gets an assist for, for, for you know, stopping the ball and allowing Trent to take what is still be, you know, seems like a basically direct, uh, direct free kick. Um, but Mane missed two good chances, very little for Diego Jota as well among... Liverpool assets, um, it just continues to have to be salad, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. There's, I mean, we've been saying for a while now, and I think on a on a on a radar a couple of weeks ago, we we tipped up the idea of having Mane as well as Salah, and the numbers suggest that Mane should have done a lot better this 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 week. Uh, in fact, he should have done a lot better even than Salah. He had a um, couple of really good opportunities. Um, and he's continuing to get loads of opportunities. He's had plenty of goals this season, Mane. So maybe, um, you know, there is an argument that you that you could have um, Mane in your team and maybe think about captaining him. But ultimately, I don't think we could ever suggest Mane over Salah. It would be like alongside Salah because he's just in such good form generally and, and uh, has had so many returns, even though despite not really those great underlying numbers in, in the past couple of game weeks. So, yeah. I think I wonder how we'd be feeling about it if he hadn't got an assist last week or this week, and if he'd come away with two blanks, maybe we'd be starting to feel a bit different. Because, like you say, certainly at least this week, it's a it's a it's a slightly fortunate assist there. So, um, yeah, may, maybe we'd 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 kind of we're being like, despite the fact he's playing fantastically, we're we're being sort of blinded a little bit by the fact that at least he's got those assists. Um, but yeah, not, not none nonetheless. Um, 
ultimately the goals he's scored recently and just the general form he's been in. Um, I the underlying numbers are something you and I rely on a fair bit with a lot of the analysis we do on this podcast. So I'm almost reluctant to say I'm not worried about that when it comes to Salah because it perhaps undermines everything else that we that we do to suggest that. But ultimately, he's just he's just ridiculous player isn't he so I think you, you yeah you do just almost take him on he, he gets measured on his on his own scale completely yeah he does and I think yeah as as we did say on the pod last week you know you you you, you feel like you have to captain him because if you don't and then your captain doesn't return and Salah does even if it is you know uh, I don't even feel like fortuitous is the word for this assist but it's just like you know he's he's, he's stopped the ball he hasn't really passed it to Trent to, you know, before Trent took a shot, obviously it's it's outside the box. It's gone in the top corner, so the, the XA for this is going to be really small anyway. But but yeah, it's the, the fact that he did return, and if you, you know, went for a differential captain and they didn't end up returning, then you've 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 you've, you've lost out quite quite massively. And I think that that you know, that's always going to come into consideration. At least you know he's going to have to have several weeks of not returning before people start thinking elsewhere and uh, and yeah you know we'll, let's run through the rest of you know, the, the players that we did speak about and potential captaincy options because none of them really had a great week and that also just feeds into Salah's you know Salah's favour in the sense that he's just so consistent where there is a general lack of consistency uh, in, in in FPL among other assets you know Solomon Kane against Everton I think this is again possibly more about Everton than it was about Solomon Kane but as we discussed on the radar Spurs attacking-wise were, were very poor. Jamie Vardy, we mentioned it as you know, he was our blankety-blank this week. Again, I think we thought well, it was more about Leeds and the chances that they possibly give up than it is about Vardy. But frankly, you know, not good enough and hasn't looked like a good captaincy option for a few weeks. And then you're kind of scratching your head thinking, well, you know, maybe Phil Foden against Man United. But he didn't end up really playing through the middle either. He tended to be pushed out left, had a good game. Um, but you know, City were very much in control. But I don't think they, you know, it wasn't like they were peppering the United goal. Although De Gea did pull off a few good saves, um, which I guess maybe then Andy leads us and possibly even further going forward to defenders as captains. And we did think about Ben Chilwell and Reese James again, as we said on the radar. I guess uh, we felt that the best chance of a clean sheet in the Premier League this weekend was Chelsea at home to Burnley. Didn't transpire, but you can't. Again, as we said, probably about 20 minutes ago, you can't really, um, you know, blame blame the thinking for uh, just because it didn't, didn't didn't quite work out that way. And obviously, James did also get his assist. So if he was the one that you picked, then he did get a return. More points than Salah. Well, quite yeah. And we said exactly that about Chilwell last week. He ultimately ended up getting more points than than Salah too. So yeah, I think. Um... If, if 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 you've captained James, you've 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 done better than those people that captained Salah ultimately. And and yeah, Chilwell, just just one of those. He could have quite easily had the attacking return. Um, frustrating not to get a clean sheet against Burnley, but but these things happen. I mean, double digit hauls for Trent and Cancelo this week, and obviously that's massively influenced, especially in Trent's case, by um, you know by attacking returns. But like, are they at the moment the best alternative options to Salah for the armband in FPL? Those those three, or I guess four, if you're picking between Chilwell, if you take Chilwell and James as being kind of the same player, because it's unlikely that you're probably going to own both. I guess between the four of them, they are pretty good options, aren't they? Well, more often than not, they are. Yeah, and we've had what I mean. We we tend to struggle to justify. Trent just simply because whenever Trent's got a good game, Salah's got a good game. So that's what's been a little bit harder. But I suppose he has that clean sheet potential as as well that Salah doesn't get as many points for. But but we've had, I mean, we've had Cancelo on um, th- this season. He was on plenty last season. Obviously, you, you know, we weren't going to probably put him on there against, against Man United necessarily. Um, but, uh, well, obviously not that I would have stopped anyone thinking he was going to get attacking returns, but just despite not having any confidence in Man United, you would have you would have thought it's certainly possible they could have scored a goal or two, at least at home, and still lost the game. So, um, so yeah, not him necessarily specifically this week, but generally, if you're taking that group of, like, premium, I guess, attacking, like, full-back options, they, 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 they do seem to be one of, one of the better 
you know one of them generally tends to be the only other ones we're really seriously thinking about when we've been having these discussions so yeah absolutely uh let's leave it there then andy before we have but before we go we will have a quick look ahead to game week 12 which is obviously after the international break uh, you know we won't be uh watching any more premier league football now until uh, until almost i guess the, the middle of november but more towards even the end of november um which feels a little strange not gonna lie um but you know as usual on the international break you know you've got to look out for minutes got to look out for injuries got to look out for covid and and, 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 and you know outbreaks in in international camps and, and and things like that but also you know we have had two premier league sackings over the weekend i don't think anyone's really looking uh strongly at aston villa assets or norwich assets and possibly won't even look be looking at norwich assets you know they could bring in uh, they could bring in pep guardiola frankly i don't think uh, anyone would be looking huge, you know that strongly at norwich assets immediately um but 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 yeah i guess yeah it does leave um you know, is it, i guess an interesting wrinkle going into the international break that you know two teams are looking for managers and and, and results haven't been going going their way but things could things could change and there's still uh, still a lot of football a lot of football to be played yeah, and I imagine there's some people who've managed to hold on to their wildcard, probably looking towards this international break as, as their opportunity to go for it as well. So um, it, it's kind of getting to that stage now where once you get back from the international break, there's a big sort of run of fixtures, particularly for Premier League sides, um, you know, up to and including that that kind of Christmas period. So and then you get your next wildcard, obviously, after Christmas. So. Yeah, if you have still got that wild card in hand, you this has really got to be a very strong and tempting time to be thinking about using it, particularly with that Spurs fixture swing um, in in particular, but you know a, a couple of others possibly as well. So um, yeah, as as ever, as you've said, injuries, COVID, all that type of thing, and then and then at least two. Hopefully, there may well be a third as well. Though I've got no confidence in that, but maybe a third team looking for a manager. Uh, but 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 certainly at, le- at least those two, and and it can affect things because it isn't just about necessarily those those teams them themselves. Uh, it, it can bring other other players in from out from in the cold, which suddenly become a part of your thinking. Then um, it it might it might affect the, who they're playing against in in any given in any given game week. So. Uh, I think uh, Southampton uh, Southampton are playing Norwich yeah in 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 the first one after and so like if you have or haven't got a manager in place I, I don't know and Brighton obviously a decent team who are playing against Villa so um maybe although it might not impact whether you're going for Villa or Norwich players it might make you think more you know more seriously about say Brighton or Southampton players being the teams that are playing those sides the first ones back so yeah plenty of time to make your decisions and, and and lots to think about over the international break absolutely plenty to chew over a uh, decent game week as well i think for for you for you andy i think you is it maybe the first time this year you've crept into the into the top 100k or am i dreaming have you have you been have you been firmly have you you know placed your place your place your flag in the in, in in team 100k land for for a few weeks now no 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 i wouldn't say firmly i've been uh, i did creep in there ever so slightly a few weeks back like literally just inside but then have been floating about in the 100 and 200 k's the last two or three game weeks and and yeah now just snuck back in that that top 100 k i think this game week probably so so yeah that's that's good i mean it's much better than where i was at this point last season i think you and i we talked about this a lot in the early previews and in the season preview, didn't we? That we were kind of both taking a bit more of a cautious approach at the start of this season. We both kind of went in for some differentials towards the start of last season uh, and it did, absolutely did not pay off. And yeah, more than just not paying off, it back backfired spectacularly, put us basically out of the race for top 100k almost straight from the, the start of the season. So yeah, we will, we'll, you can't get complacent. It can all, it can all go, go, go off uh, go out of sort of plan very quickly but this year the particularly with with it seems quite bunched up like one bad game week you can suddenly be a few hundred thousand back and then one good game week and you've jumped up a few hundred thousand which i don't know whether that's just being around the lo- the lower numbers or the lower ranks or what but certainly when i've been paying attention to it that doesn't usually seem to happen such dramatic sort of swings in, in in one go so so yeah not nice to be there but it's a marathon not a sprint isn't it plenty of plenty to go yeah quite right quite right yeah definitely plenty of football still to be played but yeah but, you know i feel i feel as though uh 
But as though everything that we've, you know, a lot of things that we've said uh, this year, especially regarding you know, some of our players on the radar, is sort of coming true. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's good to good to know all this hard work has been paying off. Off the Andy, if if our listeners do want to let us know, a how much they're enjoying the FPL Lounge podcast, and uh, but also you know how their own teams are doing, and if they've got any 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 major headaches going into the international break ahead of game week twelve, how can they get in touch and ask us questions or let us know how things are going. Or well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And to be honest, to, to let us know how they're enjoying the show or not, they'd have to be able to hear it, wouldn't they? So that's kind of a key thing for us. We need to make sure we get the podcast out. Uh, people won't yet be able to tell us whether they enjoyed the Game Week 11 preview because they won't have been able to hear it. However, like we say, um, if we, I think we will endeavour to get that one to get that one up there eventually. And if 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 you do, you know, for whatever reason, choose to listen to it, even if it's just to catch who the heck is stat, because you don't want to miss any vital episode in that series uh, to to know exactly where the standings are for the next game week. Then then fine. But you 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 certainly are uh, a loyal listener who we appreciate greatly if you if you go back to listen to that after the game weeks happened and and certainly do let us know if you do that because we would we would we would love to kind of give you the appreciation you deserve absolutely yeah i think uh i think you know all being all being well through the woods with with with, with my technical issues so yeah hopefully we'll be uh hopefully i'll be able to try and get try and get both of those both of those up, uh, and obviously because of the international break, you've got plenty of time to listen to them. Not quite the same, the same level of urgency, uh, especially if listening to this review. And definitely no urgency now to listen to the game week eleven preview. But as Andy says, uh, you know, it was a nail biting. Who the heck is that? So, uh, so yeah, make sure you uh, give that a listen. But do also remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. It always helps Andy and I. It just makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, obviously, ahead of the international break, we uh, we're not quite sure next when uh, next when we will be recording. But uh, you know, I've just seen that the next game week deadline is on a Saturday, so hopefully we'll be able to get something done on you know early enough uh, post international break to, to to have plenty of insight ahead of game week twelve. And obviously, yeah, yeah, as as we've said, if you are thinking of wildcarding, then I'm sure Andy and I will have plenty to you know plenty of opinions because yeah, it feels um feel, looking at my team, I feel like I fancy another wildcard just just about now just to just to spice things up a little bit. Um, But Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.